You're listening to the Gov Future Podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Dr. Susan Gregorick, Associate Director for Data Science and Director of the Office of Data Science Strategy at National Institutes of Health, NIH, about her insights into how the NIH is unleashing the power of advanced analytics to drive data-driven decision-making in supporting the NIH's mission to improve human health through scientific research, and how they are dealing with complex data sets while ensuring data privacy and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And again, thank you so much for all of you folks who are listening to our podcast and giving us feedback on what they like to hear, what they want to hear more of. As you know, we're covering the broad range of innovation in the public sector and government, not only for those that are the federal government here in the U.S. and the D.C. region, which is where we're based, but also state and local government and even international government. So we have a lot of great interviews that have already been recorded. Hopefully you listened to a few of them and even more scheduled. So stay connected, stay subscribed. And this is the place to be to hear how governments are adopting transformative technology and gain some conversations on key topics that'll help you, our listeners, and of course, our Gov Future members learn the latest innovations and to stay ahead of innovation in the public sector. Exactly. And so for our listeners that are not yet familiar with our Gov Future community, GovFuture is the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more by going to govfuture.com. And I know some of our listeners already are members and we're so excited about that. It continues to grow. So please do check it out if you're interested. But, you know, part of what we're doing with GovFuture is really bringing the entire community together of uh, government innovators and everybody in that ecosystem. So we always love interviews on this podcast where we get the opportunity to talk to folks from different government agencies. We're so excited to have with us today Dr. Susan Gregorick, who is the Associate Director for Data Science and Director of the Office of Data Science Strategy at NIH. Welcome, Susan, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Ron. It's great to be here today. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this discussion. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at NIH. Love to. Well, as Kathleen mentioned, I am the Associate Director of Data Science and the Director of the Office of Data Science Strategy here at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. I got started way back quite a while ago Um, as an undergraduate in studying chemistry and mathematics at the University of Michigan. And then after my PhD in in physical chemistry from the University of Maryland, go Terps, I started my career as a professional um, and as a professor of computational chemistry at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. My interest at that time was protein dynamics and protein function. Um, After a About uh, eight years or so at UMBC, I went over to the Department of Energy to serve as a program director in data and computational sciences, and I helped DOE develop the knowledge base for microbial plant environmental research, and that's where I really started to um, have a real passion and love for data science. About 10 years ago, I joined NIH as the division director for biophysics, biomedical technology, and computational biosciences 
And that was at the National Institutes of General Medical Sciences, or we like to call it NIGMS. We love acronyms in the government. And I have had a really long career in federal service. And I can say, quite honestly, I have a service heart. But my role um, at NIH in the Office of the Director, the Office of Data Science Strategy, um, started maybe four years ago. And it's it's been a lot of fun because our office leads the implementation of the NIH Strategic Plan for Data Science, which works to harness emerging opportunities and advance cutting-edge data science across all of our 27 institutes and centers. And this really means that we focus on activities such as data interoperability, platform interoperability, data accessibility, data standards and standardization, and the reuse of data. We also support the establishment of policies and related um, privacy and ethics and data sovereignty um, policies, as well as promoting the principles of diversity, equity, inclusivity, and accessibility. I really feel very fortunate to be in this role, and I can see that we are starting to make a significant difference in these cutting-edge technologies and data science. So um, that's a bit about me. <laughs> Hopefully it's not too long-winded, and, and I'm glad to be here today. Oh, that's fantastic. I think, yeah, that's what our listeners want to hear. You know, not just, you know, government adopting great technology, but knowing that great technologists and innovators such as yourselves have put a significant amount of time and effort really advancing the state of uh, not just innovation and the use of data in the government. And it's actually good to know <laughs> that, especially in areas that are so impactful, such as health and medicine, where we can use real data to really advance things. I think people are, are, you know, this is good for people to hear that. So like on that note, let's talk, let's talk about the use of advanced analytics and more advanced forms of technology, of course, artificial intelligence and automation and things like that. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how, you know, I know there's 27 institutes and, and, and groups within NIH. There's a lot there that people may not understand the breadth of it, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about how AI advanced analytics automation, those technologies are being used to drive data-driven decision-making and perhaps some of the benefits you're seeing. Absolutely. Um, it, this is such an exciting, oh, sorry, the car beep. <laughs> such an exciting time to be um, in data science with the um, real significant advances in artificial intelligence and generative AI that we've just seen recently. Um, so, you know, AI and, and advanced analytics really does speed the discovery of um, science. And for us, um, bringing treatment and cures to, to keep people healthy. So um, one of our policies and one of our priorities is the ethical use of advanced analytic technology like artificial intelligence. My office is supporting a number of activities to enhance both the diversity of researchers who are taking advantage of AI and also the diversity of data sets that are used in AI and ML. So just for example, one program that I'd like to tell you about is the AIM AHEAD program. AIM AHEAD stands for the AIML Consortium to Advanced Health Equity and Researcher Diversity. And it's working with researchers and institutions across the entire country, again, to enhance the participation and the representation of researchers and communities um, in the development of AI models, and also to improve their ability to take take advantage of this emerging technology. And, and NIH and Dr. Tabak and myself are very proud of the AI um, Aim Ahead program and are looking forward to their new advances as they recruit new students and new scholars, fund new cutting-edge programs and, and priorities, and uh, really make an impact in AI models and the AI community. Another, um, little, digging a little more 
specifically into some of the capabilities that we're able to see with AI is just, for example, the um, analytic speedup of diagnostic and treatment capabilities. So just for example, not long ago, an infant that was born with a rare genetics disease, it would take a really long time to test, um, get their sequence, sequence it, and annotate it, and then try to figure out what their rare genetic disease might be. But recently, with the advent of AI, we can now um, very quickly sequence the entire genome of the infant, compared against a number of variants that we have for over 13,000 genetic disorders, and in five minutes, actually pinpoint what that disorder might be and then um, increase the capacity to to develop the the therapeutics that that infant might need. And, And that's a big time saving when you're looking at small children, you know, babies who are born with rare genetic disorders. So those are just some of the cutting edge technologies that we're working on, both to enhance our capacity to use AI and also to really speed the care uh, delivered to patients using AI. Yeah, we always love to hear real world examples because then you get to see how it's put to use, right? You know, you can talk about technology, transformative technology, but actually see how it's being applied, especially for people who, you know, may have children with disabilities to get that diagnosis, uh, you know, within a few minutes as a few months or years. That really means a lot. So we like to hear these examples. But whenever we're talking about data and dealing with complex data sets, especially when it comes to healthcare, there can be some challenges that arise. And we need to make sure that we're, you know, being responsible and ethical with that data. So what unique challenges does the NIH face in leveraging advanced analytics and dealing with those complex data sets while also ensuring data privacy and security? And maybe how are you addressing those challenges? That's also a great question. And for Um, agencies such as mine, which deal with health data, we do have significant challenges um, with data privacy, uh, as well as access to data. You know, in order to take advantage of AI, researchers do need a significant amount of very good data. um, And that means that they need to access data across a number of repositories. Right now, NIH supports roughly 80 controlled access data repositories. These are data repositories that hold human data they protect participant data privacy and security. So there's a you know a fairly complicated process for researchers to get access from these repositories. And they need to, at, at least prior to my coming to NIH, they need to do this multiple times. And it was quite duplicative and, and um, really quite onerous. So recent, recently we've standardized the way that researchers can gain access um, to controlled access data repositories. Um, this is called Research Auth Services or RAS. RAS provides a single sign-on capability. Right now, we're working with nine systems, nine of our largest data systems, um, with many, many more in the process of adoption. And in this way, by you know sharing uh, credentialing systems across our data repositories, we're standardizing the way that researchers log in um, and the way that we can track and log um, basically potential data breaches and, and data security issues. So um, this is one way in which we're also implementing the administration's zero trust um, priorities for data um, system uh, infrastructure. The other challenge that we have is really about research data that's generated um, that's not really quite AI ready. So our office is supporting a number of programs that bring together biomedical researchers as well as data management experts and AI and ML experts to ensure that data that's generated through NIH funding is essentially AI and ML ready. 
It's ready to be shared through repositories and it's ready to be used. So um, one of the areas that we're particularly interested in right now is the advances of ethical developments of AI-ready data, making sure that we can uh, not only provide data that is useful for AI, but that there's an ethical framework for the use of, of data in, in health applications. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's a lot of uh, different applications and a lot of ones that people may be very familiar, well, well, familiar with in some way in terms of, of they understand, you know, their relationship to health and medicine and and uh, just in general about that. And I think, you know, that may be different. Like I noticed you did some work at the DOE, maybe some of the things that DOE does, we may never know about, you know, <laughs> some things we might, or some things we may find out about decades later. I think that's what part of what makes this very interesting. Um, and I think, you know, as it relates to, to, you know, our audience here and what they're thinking about, maybe about how they're putting innovation into practice in their, their own organizations, their own, maybe they're working within a government agency, maybe they're working in, in federal, state, local, or international, or perhaps working in a government contract or a vendor. And they may be interested to hear a little bit about the direction that uh, some of this technology adoption is going. And so maybe from that perspective, you know, what role do you see AI and advanced analytics playing in supporting the overall mission, the NIH's mission to improve human health through scientific research? And maybe some little bit of insight into kind of where the agency is investing and perhaps kind of looking out a little bit into the future as to where you see things going. Yeah, that is such a great question. I was just looking today um, at our portfolio of AI funding in, in this, this past year. So we, we, um, we can only report on the past years cause we're right in year funding year 2023. So in funding year 2022, and I supported, uh, about $269 million worth of, uh, grants, contracts, um, and other transactional authorities just to support AI research. That's just AI research. And that's a significant amount of money. Most of that funding does go to R01, that's single investigator uh, or multi-PI uh, investigator-initiated um, grants to academic institutions, to medical schools. Um, of course, we have our big programs such as Aim Ahead that I described, our Bridge to AI program and others. But you know, as we're looking to where we're going to advance in the future, it's pretty clear that artificial intelligence um, and advanced analytic technologies are going to be uh, playing much more of a pivotal role in biomedical research. That will help us make new health discoveries and develop new treatments. I'm excited to see this play out. Just in the literature, there's a new there's a new journal, the um, uh, New England Journal of Medicine for AI with um, new editor, Dr. Zach Cahoney, who is the editor-in-chief, a leading expert in biomedical AI. That kind of gives you a hint that, in fact, artificial intelligence will be playing much more of a bigger role in um, biomedical research in the future. In addition to that, just, just the adv advances that we can make in computing will be pivotal to those developments. So I'd love to tell you a little bit about our work on cloud computing through our STRIDES initiative. Um, STRIDES is a partnership with Microsoft Azure, Amazon Web Services, and Google, Google Cloud Platforms. This allows NIH researchers to explore the use of the cloud. And with this investment, um, our funded investigators and institutions are working together to develop a robust and interconnected data ecosystem that will break down the silos um, and really help generate, share, and analyze research data. And so, 
I think, you know, looking forward, the future for AI analytics and data science at NIH is really quite bright. Yeah, it sounds like it. And we loved all the examples that you give because, you know, we really do like to see how this is done and implemented in the real world. Sometimes it's done in ways people expect and sometimes it's done in ways people don't expect. Um, that's, you know, what I think energizes everybody and, you know, gives people ideas. So we have had such a wonderful time on this podcast. And before we wrap up, we'd like to ask our final question that we ask for all of our interviews. What do you believe, what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government? So I have um, maybe four points that I'm really excited about. Um, I've been following the rise of AI and large language models. Certainly this is coming to everybody's attention right now. Harnessing these capabilities for biomedical research is a is an opportunity that we shouldn't miss. Even the caveats that large language models do have the tendency to create erroneous results. And this is something we do need to pay attention to, but imagine the possibilities of developing language models that are trained on metadata, information about data across many different repositories, and then pulling in all that, that information, that metadata together and layering on top of those language models those developed from publications and literature, we could see a significant advance in data search and discovery and data and essentially just data creation at, at unprecedented scales. So where will this lead us? I could see this leading to the, um, the analysis of petabytes of data um, as a routine computational you know, uh, research. Um, it might also open up new paradigms in data computing and lead to new computational architectures, which I'm totally excited about. You know, data sharing is good, but data that can be merged and integrated together in a comprehensive way that adds knowledge is better. And finally, and this is my maybe my most important point, is data science is also about the people who, who work in these fields. It's the future of our technology innovation, and it's really closely tied to principles of inclusivity, diversity, um, equity, and accessibility. When we create a diverse workforce, either here at NIH or in the research community, we actually include people with diverse opinions and that generates new ideas and new approaches. And those out of the box thinkers are where we can address some of our biggest challenges. And so that is um, a goal that I try to live to every day. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that that's great. I mean, obviously, the one of the, the greatest things that we can have with technology and innovation in general is that it makes our society so much better. It gives us more ability for us to achieve our goals that we want. And of course, longer life and a healthier life, <laughs> better quality of life, all of those things, you know, that's what we want from technology. That's what we want from innovation. And of course, that's what we want from our government, uh, implementing those things to make that work. So this is all fantastic. We could definitely spend more time. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have, if you haven't yet listened to or seen our GovFuture Forum uh, event that we have in D.C., that's the third Thursday of every month at George Mason University. We have the recording from the panel from that event where Dr. Susan Grigorek was there presenting and, and being part of that panel. You can hear that panel uh, recording separately. And I encourage you to do so. That's, again, one of these podcasts we like to provide that for some of you, many of you who aren't able to join us in person. Uh, I encourage you to do that. But of course, we will continue to engage. 
uh, not only uh, Susan, but all those at NIH and, of course, other folks in the government. So I just want to thank you so much for your great sharing of all your insights with our Gov Future podcast audience. I am super delighted to be here today. Um, I, I can't wait for the next one. I, I totally enjoy Gov Futures. I've enjoyed the panels and the podcasts. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope you'll connect with my colleagues at NIH um, on their, their great ideas for technologies. Yes, we absolutely will. And we're <laughs> looking forward to getting them involved as well. So stay tuned, listeners, for that. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I encourage you to check out, we've got a lot of great resources. So if you're looking for more insights or details into a range of technologies that we've discussed in this podcast and other topics as well, check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more great information at govfuture.com slash resources. We've tailored this really to our GovFuture listeners and our GovFuture community, so make sure to check it out, govfuture.com slash resources. I'll link to that in the show notes as well, so you can just click right there. And if you have not already done so, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you really should become a GovFuture member to take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. To sign up and learn more, go to govfuture.com slash join, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we'd love to hear from our listeners, so please do make sure to reach out. Also, make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And with that, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.